I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined as always by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, whose watch has ended. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Why do you have to start the spot like that? My, my heart, I, uh, I, we're, I, we're saving all the Game of Thrones spoilers for the very end. If you haven't watched the finale yet, if you haven't watched the season eight, episode six, the finale, we'll save all of them for the end. We'll give you spo- enough spoiler. You know, time to, to turn it off, but we we will talk about it at the very end. On a grand scale, I started. I tweeted this day, but I started watching a show six years ago, live on Sunday nights, and it just became like a thing. Like Lord of the Rings was a huge thing for me growing up. I read all the Lord of the Rings books. I'm a I'm a pretty big Tolkien nerd, and everything. Excuse me, it's it's actually pronounced Tolkien. They just, okay, they, whatever. They just recently said that with the movie coming out. So. When this show started, somebody had uh, recommended like, "Hey, you like Lord of the Rings? Go watch this. Boromir's in it, you know." And I'm like, "Okay, Sean's in it." And so I started watching the show, and you know that was six years ago. And this show, I, I got my dad on it early, like five, six years ago, after I started watching it, and it was something my dad and I bonded over. And we talked about, speculated about, did theories about for years on years. And uh, eventually my wife, you know, the amount of things that's happened since I've been watching the show has been insane. Uh, between getting married yeah. and moving to Texas and having a kid and like all this stuff. Like I remember the first time watching the show live, uh, Game of Thrones Live, uh, I was in an apartment living by myself in Kentucky. And uh, things have changed drastically since then. And um but this show just it it just it changed television um just yeah. on a grand scheme of things and fandom and everything and so yeah when we talk, we mention the show sometimes we talk about it and it's uh, it's just crazy it's crazy it was kind of a weird feeling today um no that's it it's the end and but uh it's fun there's going to be break off the whole world uh, George R R Martin's world is uh it's fun to nerd out sometimes and it's a good escape from normal work, everything life, uh, kind of like what sports is. I, I just love going into that world. So anyway, Isaac loves every world that isn't his own. <laughs> well, I like my world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On the podcast today, we are going to be speculating about speculations Ooh. and not rumors. About These rumors? are not rumors. Some of them, maybe if we, we if we mentioned that they are actual rumors, um, but I wanted to, I wanted to clear this up a little bit. Um, so the Spoken Cuban tweeted out this article and it said rumors, Mavs, get, get off my boys, Nick trade potential trade partner for Mike Conley. And I went and read the article and I tried to trace back. Okay. Where's this rumor coming from? Is it coming from uh, like a real source? And it was this Sean Devaney article from the sporting news. And so I went and read that and he had a couple source things. He had a couple listed things like, okay, there's this team could be tra- going after Mike Conley. This team could be going after Mike Conley. And then it was, the, then it came to the Mavericks and it said, you know, this is something the Mavericks could also do if they did blah, 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 blah. And so that's not, that's not a rumor to me. And Isaac, I think Isaac agrees with me in this is that's not a rumor. That's speculation. That's what we do on this pod sometimes. 
when we have guys like you know like a windhorst or somebody that says hey this this could happen because they're talking about this that's a rumor if there's some source knowledge behind it that to me is a rumor you know whether it happens or not that's why it's just a rumor not a report but that's a rumor what what this article was was speculation it was just a guy saying hey this could also happen and so that's why i had i took you know I thought that that was incorrectly posted because now people are going to look at that and say, well, weren't we trying to go after Mike Conley? You know, and that's not true. The Mavs aren't necessarily going after Mike Conley. Watch them trade for Mike Conley now and all this goes on the table. But I want to point that out because we're going to be talking about a lot of speculation and we're it, not we're not putting, you know, sources behind it unless we say otherwise. In the media world, there are, even us on this podcast, there are things that we we've said on this podcast and when I there are things that I'll preface sometimes. I'm like, there's more behind that. This is beyond speculation for me. When I say this about the Mavs feeling a certain way about Luka Doncic before the draft or whatever it was saying, Hey, this is, you know, this is kind of source. We do a lot of speculating. And we, we mentioned that from the very beginning when Brad Townsend writes a piece and there's a difference between Brad, when Brad Townsend writes a piece and says, or Tim McMahon or whatever, and says, Hey, sources inside the organization tell me that they like blank. That yes. is a report. That is a rumor, you know, going around. If Brad Townsend starts the sentence of saying, you know what? They have a lot of cap space this summer. They could go after Nikola Vucevic. That that's not really that's just him like speculating and throwing something out there. So we don't really consider that a rumor. The problem is you get some, and this isn't the smoke cubing. Oh, I love I'm partial to them. That's where I started writing about the Mavs and covering them. They didn't do this, but the problem is when some uh, media people throw out the hey, we're going to speculate on everything. And then when one of the things actually sticks to the wall, you throw a hundred things at the wall, one thing sticks, and then they spend two weeks saying, well, we talked about this three weeks ago. Here, first reported, it was an exclusive to our site. For example, if the Drogic thing happens, if Drogic actually comes and we were the first ones that said like, hey, that we're not going to be... We're going to say, hey, we suggested this happen. This is not, we Ex- knew this yes. was going to happen. Exactly. We, we threw the we will, idea We will out laugh there. a lot and we will, we will say that this was our idea and we will, we will joke that Cuban got it from us because he's a loyal listener and all that stuff. <laughs> we're not going to claim it. Like, yes, yes. We, we will, we, we will joke around about that because we, yeah, we threw that out there. So there's just a bit, you know, there is a big difference when it comes to these words of reports and rumors and stuff being on the record and not on the record and uh, speculating is fun that's what makes fandom fun sometimes especially being on twitter with different fans of it's how we fill a whole podcast five days a week for it is yeah it's it's super fun to speculate and stuff but there is a different level of hey this is speculation and then compared to this is sourced knowledge and that that's just you know there's a fine line between that but and maybe it's just the the difference between the definition of what a rumor is but to me rumor has to come from at least somewhere that could potentially have the knowledge, right? Like, if you hear a rumor from a guy that says, "Hey, man, like, I heard that like Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson are are engaged," and you're like, "Oh, really? Like, where'd you hear from?" Like, man, you know, I just like, I just know. And you're like, that dude has never met either of those people. He doesn't know anybody near them. He lives really far away from them. But then if you go on Twitter and you're like, "Well, the the, the AP says that Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost are are engaged," then that's that's a rumor that we can can trust because there's like some sourcing behind it, you know. Yeah. That to me is that's the difference. Anyway, just I'm, I guess I'm 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 wasn't trying to call out the smoking Cuban in the sense that like oh I hate the smoking Cuban and you know 
technically with Moneyball, and so now I want to take down Smoking Cuban. Like, if I wanted to, I would have been a lot meaner than that. <laughs> um, if anybody would have would have posted it like that, I just think that it's it's kind of um, irresponsible to just to just say, "Hey, this is a rumor," when it's not. It's just a guy speculating. And I would have done that if, if Moneyball did that. I would have called him. Yeah, it was just more about one word in the tweet that Nick didn't like, and one the fact that actual piece was. Written. And then and then the piece was talking about it. It was being a rumor as well. Oh, okay, never mind. So, anyway, all right. So Isaac's gonna hit me with some some speculation. He's gonna hit me with some some uh, some ideas for some trades, some ideas for guys that the Mavericks could potentially bring in. Uh, this is something that he does very well. <laughs> Speculate. <laughs> Um, actually this one, this one is built, uh, we're kind of debating on what to do on the pod today for a Monday, uh, because obviously there is a, a, a game, what three that just happened with the Raptors and Bucks. And I didn't get to see the end of it. Cause I was watching game of Thrones, uh, uh, which it looked like it was a crazy end of the game. Like Raptors one go Raptors. And, um, but we're going to talk about a few of the things that kind of what Mavs Twitter is talking about. And it started a few days ago. When uh, Mark Berman from the New York Post uh, wrote a, wrote a story, he's really plugged in with the Knicks. Uh, he is obviously stationed in New York and you know covers the Knicks and stuff up there. Came down for Porzingis is um, yeah. opening press conference in Dallas. He was the only, I think, the only Knicks reporter there that came down for that. Uh, Try to get Porzingis uh, to talk about a few things in that opening press conference and uh cuban and porzingis shot him down but uh he's mm-hmm. very outspoken uh but he's he's you know pretty plugged in so he wrote a piece talking about the future uh and well it wasn't directly about frank nilakina but there was a portion of his piece talking about frank nilakina and how that the knicks could be shopping him uh coming draft time uh, for a late first round pick or early second round pick and obviously got mavs fans going because should we jump on this opportunity (laughs) this was a player that just two years ago in the dennis smith jr draft that the mavericks really liked and there was some confusion behind that as far as some people thought it was a smoke screen to try to convince the knicks that they liked frank so much dare i say a smoking cuban screen (laughs) (laughs) Cuban um, was there. Cuban took the picture with him. A smoking Cuban, Cuban screen. Cuban cigars are oh, they're good. But Frank Nelikina, uh yeah, in a lot of mocks had Nelikina going to Dallas uh, with that ninth pick and all this stuff. It gets to the Knicks at pick number eight and they they select Nelikina. Dallas takes Dennis Smith Jr. The rest is history. What could have been? Well, it could have been. Now, I will say this: I, I, the Mavs did like you know Frank Nelikina. It, it wasn't just all pure smokescreen. There was that you know picture that came out with you know with Cuban and them visiting with Frank overseas and and all that different stuff. But the the idea of Nelikina uh, back then of his, his wingspan, his, you know, just his defensive ability, uh, his outside shot coming over from from Europe. Uh, people forgot he shot forty three percent that last year in Europe, thirty two games he played, and uh, so pe- there was a lot of intrigue about you know who he was. So now you fast forward two years, and it hasn't been the best two years to his career, uh, and the Knicks uh, are entering this phase right now of. It looks like that they could be turning into a Warriors type of situation of okay, okay, roster let's, building, we'll... roster building. No, let's, as far as <laughs> let's let's put two or three stars together, and then we have to fill out the rest of the roster with like 
you know, minimum role guys. So, because I think that plays into why you don't keep Nilakina in this case, right? No, no. Like, I'm, if you're going to... I'm just messing with you because the, you're very adamant about the fact that Durant and and, Kurt and Kyrie are going to the Knicks. But if that doesn't happen, then I mean, this is yeah, a very well, funny conversation. If, you, if you're going to suck next year, then you hold on to Frank, in my opinion. Like, yeah. But I think the only way you're trading him is, one, to get off his salary, which is around like $4 million. If you're the Knicks, that's an extra $4 million you can use. Uh, and then, two, you're looking for players that fit the best around them. So, so yeah, the question is, when he reports that, obviously a lot of people turn to him and say, well, we have the 37th pick in the draft. The Mavericks have a higher second-round pick. Um, it's just seven picks into, into the second round. Would you trade the 37th pick in the draft for Frank Nilekina? And that's kind of what some fans have been discussing. Oof. In my opinion, I don't even think it's a discussion. I think if, if that's the deal, then you don't let them hang up. You do it right now. You just, you just go straight on talent and say, okay, I believe that this is something that I find kind of interesting because you look at some guys and you go, okay, well, this is a guy that was taken high in the draft. Like take, take, take Jabari Parker. This is a guy who's taken high in the draft. Do we just bet that talent can eventually be groomed in the right way? Or do we look at the guy and the way that he's played in the situation, say in Milwaukee, where he just didn't – he had some moments, but then he just kept getting injured, and there's just some things that didn't look right and didn't seem like he could fit well in you know, a winning team. And So you look at the guy and you're like, should I bet on the talent or should I bet on – should I bet on you know, like a, the fact that, well, he just hasn't looked great. So is that who he is, right? And – this is where scouting comes into play. We just had Tony Ronzoni on the on the, the podcast just a couple, you know, like last week. And this is where when you have your scouting and you believe in a guy, and if the Mavericks do really believe in Frank Nilakina, then you say, well, this his situation has been terrible in New York. I mean, it just it hasn't really been that good. We haven't seen a lot of young players succeed except for, I guess, uh, Mitchell. Pretty much, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's the last Knicks rookie that's done really well? Porzingis, I guess. And yeah. So you just bet on the talent, and that's what you're saying. You just bet on the talent. Yeah, because he's he's still 20 years old. You know that's yeah. in in 90 percent of situations, and you tell me a top 10 pick after two years in the league, and you can get them for a second round pick. Uh, the first yeah. name that came to my mind was Papa Giannis, but I think he was like, yeah, I think he was like 13. Yeah, I think he was 13, but still, still, you think like what? My my general thoughts on it is. 90% of the time, if a top 10 pick is available after just two years in the league for a second round pick, then you do it. 90% of the time. There's obviously situations in which you wouldn't do it, but if if you're telling me just the 37th pick, because do I think Frank Nilakina is going to be your um, 1B to 1A to to Luka Doncic? No, I don't. Do, you think, do I think Frank Nilakina is... Uh, you know, a, a leading scorer on a team or the second best player on a team someday. No, I don't. But do I think Frank Nelikina could be a very high caliber role player, a capable starter? Uh, absolutely. And if that's what you want out of a thirty-seven, 37th pick, that's what you want out of a out of a second round pick. And get you know, obviously look at his past two years. He's averaged his career average for points is five point nine points. He's shooting a career thirty percent from yeah, three. Yeah, don't don't read these if you want to convince people, Isaac. <laughs> I know you look at those and you say, "Man, his." Because somebody already tweeted at me because I said I would do it in a heartbeat, and somebody tweeted, at me, "I'm like, man, look at his stats." I'm like, trust me, I get, I, I see the stats. Even synergy, his offensive stats on synergy uh, does not paint a pretty picture for him. But that's also New York. Yeah, you know, and 
on these, I think I think one of the most difficult things to do is to try to evaluate a player on a, a really sucky team that's trying to tank, because on good or bad, because I think there are situations in which somebody could be really good on it, like a Michael Carter Williams on a Philly team in which he wins Rookie of the Year, and you're like, man, look at that triple doubles, hey, this is great, but his team sucked, and then look, he he wasn't really that good. I think it's there's an opposite end of the spectrum too, to where you have a lottery you know, bound team that's tanking a lot, and you might have a young player that just sucks on that team, but it's just a bad fit and everything. It's just hard to evaluate. I would just I I, I think it's a no brainer. His synergy stats on defense actually look pretty nice. Uh, he's in the really? he's, he has a very a very good rating uh, when it comes to guarding the pick and roll ball handler at 0.8 points per possession on 147 possessions, the highest uh, percentage of time that he's playing defense is guarding a pick-and-roll ball handler. Uh, the the other one is excellent. He's he's in the 95, 95 percentile uh, of guarding in isolation plays on defense uh, at a 0.55 points per possession uh, with, an, yeah, with an excellent rating on synergy in, in isolation plays. So I know he's a 30% career shooter so far in the league. But there is a side of me too. Not three point shooter, field goal percentage. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Three, uh, field. I mean, three point percentage. That my bad. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Three point percentage, field goal percentage. Thirty two percent. Thirty five percent. Yeah. But you know, there there is a side of me too. It it kind of goes to it of you're you're taking the swing at it, you know. And he was never a guy that's going to get his own shot. That's not who you want. This is this is our conversation about like DeAndre Hunter is a guy that you have to come bring him in expecting what he can bring, right? You have to bring him in and give him that situation where he's next to a guy that can create his own shot. And in exactly. New York, I mean, I guess they had Alonzo Trier, you know, for him. Who was their point guard last year? Like Moutier? I mean, you're not really yeah, putting, you're not really putting him in what, the best situation. But being next to a guy like Luka and then even yeah. coming off the bench with a guy like Jalen Brunson, that's a, that's a risk that you can take. That's the, that's the thing of can you turn him into – can he be your bigger Patrick Beverly? Uh, you know, as far as his wing, like he is six six. Can he be the guy that you could bring in and try to groom into this guy that you could play alongside Luca? Take the ball out of his hands, but say we want you to guard the other. Remember, remember that stretch there to where everybody's like, "Oh man, he's a good defender," and he like bumped LeBron when he was like guarding with the Knicks, and you know LeBron kind of bumped him going back down the court, and he was really getting up in LeBron's grill, guarding and, and all that stuff. I remember that that stretch for him, um, but. Yeah, that's the thing. And I go back to does he have the shooting potential that last year in 2016-17 in the in his pro A league, uh 32 games, he shot 43% from from the three-point line. And I think that if could you groom Frank Nilakina to be an a set shooter like a, just an open spot up three three point shooter, I think there's a better chance of that happening instead of him being a pull-up shooter. So, I it's a no-brainer for me. If you can go get Frank Nilakina for that 37th pick, then sign me up any day of the week. Don't don't hang up the phone without making that deal if it's on the table. But I honestly think somebody would do a late first for him. I think I think if you're a playoff team right now and you got one of those picks in the late 20s and it, it, it could take that for Frank, I think you could see somebody like the – I mean, I'd say the Spurs, but they don't really need him. But you could see any of those teams down through there saying, sign me up, we'll take Nilakina in. Yeah, I don't know about the team, the playoff teams, because he's a guy you have to groom and bring along, and he's a guy you have to really develop and put a lot of attention into. And these these teams in the mm. playoffs, you, you see it that they just need they need bodies that can come in and play right now. 
Yeah, that's true. But, that's true. But yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Isaac's going to throw some more names at me. And we're going to continue on this this hypothetical, speculatable podcast. All right, Isaac. So we talked about Frank Nielakina. We're in on potentially, if you, you can take Frank Nielakina with the 37th pick, we're in. If yes. That's all, if that's all it took, we're in. Yes. Do you want to talk about Mike Conley or not? Nah? Yeah, I, my, my, yeah, my Mike, as well. Well, my Mike Conley take, take speculation thing is pretty simple. I really like him as a player. If you could get your hands on him, do it. I just, I honestly just don't see a way for for Dallas to get Mike Conley. Yeah, you you texted me earlier today, and you're like, "What are we talking about today?" I was like, and you're like, "Well, let's do some some potential trades." And I was like, "Man, I'm not super excited for potential trade talk this summer because there's just not a lot of assets. I mean, there's not a lot of tradable, tangible assets that you can get. I mean, you start looking at it, and you're like, "Well, we have 37th pick, we have Jalen Brunson, I guess, we have Justin Jackson." <laughs> Uh, we have the big con, the big expiring contracts. You know, eleven million with with Courtney Lee. You have two years left of Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, and you just you say we can't really trade any draft picks, right? Because they have to actually show up first. Yeah. So there's just not a lot of things that you can trade off. So the Mike Conley thing, it'd be great. It, people say, well, they would take Tim Hardaway Jr. and and no. Justin Jackson and thirty seventh pick. No, they're. Last year, yeah. didn't they get offered a first and a, and a player, and they turned it down? Yes, I mean, I think I honestly think you're gonna see somebody like I could see that. I honestly could see the Heat offering like 13 and like Josh Richardson for him. I think. Nah, I think you're Josh. But. I think you could see Detroit and Indiana making some offers for him. I mean, Utah. There were, yeah, Utah. Like those things. You know, everybody was reporting those three teams that they could go back to the table. Those teams are like playoff teams that they have more things to offer them. And you got to, you know, to a sense, you got to meet that $30 million mark. You know, what could you, Memphis isn't going to want to take back big salary. Like, there's no reason for them to do that. They want to get draft picks or young players. What was, you know? the, what was the one you sent me the other day, Boston, sending Hayward? That okay. That, when I text you that, Bill, I hadn't listened to Bill's podcast, and Bill actually mentioned that on yeah. his pod. It was funny though because imagine, imagine Memphis is paying Chandler Parsons and Gordon Hayward next year. That's a disgrace to Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward can actually still play though. I know, but but you still write it. You still would write it as your headline is we're paying we're paying fifty. No, it was more than 50. fifty-five million dollars next year. To, Yikes! To Gordon Hayward and Chandler Parsons. I think the real thing would be if they lose Kyrie, it being like Marcus Smart and like a couple of those first or something. Yeah, with just Hayward to match the salaries. Yeah, yeah, the Hayward, yeah, all that stuff. But, yeah, would I like the fit between Conley and Luka? Absolutely. I just don't. Other teams are going to be able to offer more. And really, about the only thing Dallas can offer to teams right now is, hey, yeah, are they willing to sacrifice cap to take on a bigger contract? We do have the second round pick, which only gets you so much, uh, and you know there's only there's only so many type of deals that because you're looking at somebody like Jalen Brunson, Dallas loves him. We love Jalen Brunson. You're not going to give up on somebody like Jalen Brunson. I mean, unless you're getting a uh, you know a I don't know like you know a, a high caliber type of player, and uh, you know that and even that I don't know it, it's not going to headline you know a package stuff so. I think Conley's kind of out of the equation for Dallas, even if they wanted to or not. So now I think the question is, 
when you look at the contracts of like Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, what can happen with that? A lot of people uh, are have speculating and threw it out there saying, hey, like they're going to stretch Courtney Lee to where they can get that extra $4 million and stretch more of these next three years, all that stuff. So do you want me – I have a couple trade speculation things. Do you want me to start bigger or smaller? Oh, start start big. Let's go big. Okay. We need some, okay. need some juice. So, you we know. just shot down a Mike Conley thing, and we talked about Frank Nilakina for like 20 minutes. So Okay, that's true. That's true. Um, what about – did you want to discuss my Zion for James Harden? Oh, oh, you're talking too, about non, non- that's too, No, no, no. I'm just kidding. That's that's just too spicy. You know, it could have been like James Harden, Chris Paul for Zion and Drew Holiday and all that stuff. You know, if the Rockets feel like they're just completely out of it anymore. Uh, but let's let's keep the I tone just out up. here fundamentally changing two franchises. <laughs> um, I would hate to see Zion in in Houston, but let's keep the idea of Houston and let's talk about what. What can they pops possibly do? I, Chris Paul would be super difficult, and I'm gonna tie Dallas into this. But I think the scapegoat's kind of like o- Oklahoma City with Stephen Adams. I think they're gonna look at Clint Capella and say, "What can we turn him into? How can we reshuffle the deck, stay c- title contender type team?" Uh, but like I said, reshuffle the deck. So what if they call Cleveland up and say, "Let's work out a trade around Kevin Love and Clint Capella," and Cleveland gets off the massive contract of of Kevin Love. Cleveland gets Clint Capella, a young center, to go with Colin Sexton, their fifth overall pick. So then you start looking at, okay, what are some pieces that have to go back? So J.R. Smith, let's say J.R. Smith goes back to to Houston with (laughs) Kevin Love. J.R. and James Harden would just be glorious. No, J.R. and Gerald Green coming off the bench and just launching any shot that comes even remotely near them. To br- to make the salaries work though, this is where it gets interesting, and this is what you got to keep in mind too. Next season, Eric Gordon's going into the last last year of his deal. He's going to be making fourteen million dollars next year, which is a pretty solid, like pretty good value at fourteen fourteen million. I think Eric Gordon had a really good like year in postseason. So, if Eric Gordon has to be a part of the deal. And Houston's thinking of it is, hey, we're going to pair Kevin Love with James Harden and Chris Paul. This will be like our big three for the next year or two, and hopefully Love will get back to fully healthy. They have to put Eric Gordon in the deal, and Cleveland's like, hey, we're a young team. Eric Gordon is on an expiring contract. He's not going to want to re-sign here. So let's try to get let's try to get you know value for him. So let's say they call up Dallas and say, let's make a three-team deal. And we'll send Eric Gordon to Dallas if you send us the expiring contract of Courtney Lease that we can use in a trade and Justin Jackson. So, in that case, Dallas would walk away with Eric Gordon to pair with whatever they do in free agency. And they give up Justin Jackson and Courtney Lee. And let's say the 37th pick. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you do that. Now, right? well, I think you. I, I think so, but here's the deal. You'd have to figure out what are you willing to pay Eric Gordon because you would be giving up the 37th pick and you would be giving up, you know, Justin Jackson, who I know that you know, who the, I know the Mavericks really like for one year of Eric Gordon before you have to figure out how much you're going to pay him and how much money is he going to get on the open market if he has a really big season. That's going to be interesting. Let me just let me just destroy this whole trade. Okay. With a hot take. Destroy it. I think Eric Gordon 
Ooh, ooh, be I'm better ready. and more important for the Rockets than Kevin Love would. Oh, I can see that. I just be- think they be got to reshuffle. I just think they got to reshuffle at some point. He was so good, though. I mean, he kept them in games. He did. Yes, he did 100%. And I would get that. I think if I'm Houston, I would kind of lean towards just keeping it. But I think if they wanted to reshuffle and the thought of if Dallas could get their hands on Eric Gordon, man, I would love him alongside Luka. The reshuffling Houston is going to do is if Kevin Love leaves. Or Kevin Durant leaves. Okay. Like, if he leaves, I think he's definitely... I mean... I mean, it's like still leave, an, it's still an F. Well, but. well, like leave or not leave, they they still they're still going to run it back. Yeah, I mean they they won two games against a team with Kevin with Kevin Durant. You think I think hmm. it would be different if they played him a full series of that squad. Okay, with well, Iguodala a year older, with you know all the guys a year older, Chris Paul a year older. True, still true. James uh, Harden uh, gets to add a, a post up or something to his game this off season. True. Imagine. Um. So anyway, that's just something. That, I don't know if they reshuffle the deck. Could Dallas get in there to try to take Eric Gordon in a deal? Because if they do try to swap Capella to a younger team, and they're like, "Hey, I don't know if we're, we're going to be able to keep Eric Gordon in the long term. Let's find a contender that'd like him." There would be a list of suitors, but I would like him alongside Luca. Do you want me to throw at you another one? Yeah. Do you have any quick ones before we move on to Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um. Just off the top of your head, who would you rather have next year, Tim Hardaway or Tristan Thompson? Tim Hardaway. I agree. Tim Hardaway <laughs> for Tristan Thompson or Delvadova, or both of them, Thompson and Delvadova. Tim Hardaway for Tristan Thompson and Delvadova. I'm done with the Cavs, guys. Okay, me too. James um, Jones, Tristan Thompson, Deli, J.R. Smith, I'm done with all of them. Courtney Lee in 37 for Reggie Jackson. Uh, like you'd argue that the talent is better. Reggie Jackson's expiring contract. Reggie Jackson seven, was not good million. in the playoffs. He was. Just, I. The, I'm recency biased because I just watched him be really bad. I agree. I don't. I'm not a huge Reggie Jackson fan. <laughs> You're gonna laugh at this one. Who would you rather have, Tim Hardaway, and or Hassan Whiteside? Oh, Hassan Whiteside is an expiring this year, right? He's an expiring. This is so, player option. He, gets, he picks up a player option. So you'd have to entice Miami to take on the last year of Tim Hardaway outside uh, of you might, you might have to <laughs> to get off of Hassan Whiteside. That's a big contract for them. Is there any of the the Miami guys that you would sacrifice cap space for if they made a trade for like a Conley or Cal Lowry or something? And Richardson that, uh, or Winslow. Probably. Well, no, I meant like one of the contract guys, like an Olenek, James Johnson, Waiters, any of those guys that you would say, hey, I would take you. No. With like a pick. I agree. No. I like James Johnson a lot, a lot though, but not the other guys. I like James uh, Johnson if I'm if I'm with him, if he's like part of my crew and we're walking into a dark alley and I need him to just <laughs> beat up any single human that comes up against us. <laughs> I like him both ways. Last, last. Whether one. you're beating him up or he's beating you up, what? No, whether he's on the court or in the alley, I want him on my team. <laughs> my last one: Tim Hardaway or Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder had some really good moments this season, but he's still just a. a what's his contract? He's like seventeen for the next couple years. Um. Why can I not find? Oh, here it is. Okay, I'll come and say. Dennis Schroeder, 
his next two seasons guaranteed at 15 and a half both both seasons guaranteed for next two seasons for the next two seasons yes i'll take schroeder it's it's less money sure yeah so basically bring another german on him and max yeah talk german on the Tim Hardaway would make around three to you know around four to five extra million than Schroeder does over the next two seasons. In that case, I'm just throwing out there if if Oklahoma City is like, hey, we want a, another wing shooter instead of Schroeder and all that stuff. A shooter um, instead of Schroeder. Shooter instead of Schroeder. Anyway, those. Once again, I throw these different type of trades out here. I'm obviously saying that I wouldn't do a lot of these. Some people tweet at me saying, "Why would you? Why would you bring that up? I can't." No, I'm just bringing. You're not saying different. it's good. <laughs> yes, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just talking about Dallas does have limited, you know, trade assets, but they have a couple bigger contracts that it's kind of like the reshuffling the deck. You look at somebody like Tim Hardaway. If they wanted to reshuffle for another bigger contract, what would that look like? Would they even want to do it? But I think Tim Hardaway is going to have a better season this year. And that last year he said he was hurt for most of the year. I believe him with that. And let's let's see what a healthy Tim Hardaway looks like with Porzingis and Luca this this fall. Agreed. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be discussing the season finale of Game of Thrones, the series finale of Game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> and all of our wild takes and opinions and differing differing thoughts. So if you haven't seen it, if you don't care about Game of Thrones. We're done after this. There won't be any more basketball talk. We just gave you 30 minutes of a, of a podcast, and that's all that Locked On Pods should be. But, you know, you know how Locked On Mavs does. <laughs> we go a little extra sometimes. So, all right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Game of Thrones. All right, Isaac. So they call the, the second to last episode the penultimate. So does that mean that this one is the ultimate episode? Oh, gosh. How does that work? I, I guess so. So now, we got we got a bunch of... of Moment. We got a bunch of moments, right? We got obviously John killing Danny. That was a huge moment. Well, one we didn't we didn't do this last week. We didn't talk about the last week's episode. We tried to do it at least once a week, and yeah, we were slacking last week. Nick and Nick and I have different opinions on how this last season. What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that joke, uh, but I do now. Um, <laughs> shout out to the guy who tweeted at me and said, "Yo, I'm sorry." This guy tweeted at me and said, hey, y'all are slacking on your Monday through Friday uh, podcast. And I literally wrote it back and said, we dropped a pot every day last <laughs> we week. We did all five last week. We skipped Fridays. Yeah. The, we skipped the last two Fridays before last week. But we did all yes, five last week. So. We cranked out five pods last week. And then he responded with fire emojis. So I'm Yeah, the Mavs didn't it. get a pick and we did five pods. <laughs> yes, exactly. We did great some, on the some draft Some podcasts lottery. say that they're going to do two in one day and then end up just doing one because they get disappointed. Well, nope, we're just five. Five every nope. week. We're, we're doing five every week. Uh, anyway, Nick and I, we have two different opinions on how this, uh, I feel like when Jon Snow pulls out his sword at the battle of the bastards and the, the army, the gif of the army is, is going at them. <laughs> I feel like that's been me this season against everybody who's just completely tearing apart this show. And I still stand my ground. It's not my favorite season, but I don't. I think it's getting critiqued way. I think it's way better than what people are making out to be. And I thought it was an okay season. And I absolutely loved the last episode. Did you see what Haralabob just said? I did not. No. Worst great, ever final nice. season of a TV show. David and Dan completely ruined a great show these last three to four seasons. No, I disagree. Completely my my thing ruined. with it. 
my thing with is it, and this is where I, I, I texted Nick to this today in a longer text. I was actually in my car, uh, not driving, but I think where it gets dangerous is when we have different opinions on the shows and people want to just make you feel like if you think the show, it was fine. Or I know if you think you've, the done, show was, you've done this. You've done this. Yes. Before. It's okay this to your, have two different opinions. Thing. Okay. So here, here's my thing on it is that I, I, I'm not super against how they got to where they got to. I'm not, I'm not upset that John killed Danny. I'm not upset that, that Danny destroyed, you know, the city. I'm upset because I really love Danny, the character of Danny. And I wish it would have gone mm. different for her, but very, very pretty. Too, <laughs> but they rushed everything it felt like we didn't get the lead up until there wasn't enough lead up for me until her snapping uh i see i had no issue with that i don't understand the backlash on that because i don't know i don't know what else you want from her there if she's gonna snap okay so there's different things so this is this is the thing there's gonna be there either needed to be a moment right there where she snapped if something just she pushed did. her over the top she looked at the red keep and thought that, that she was like, yeah. oh, that's what the writer said. She looked at the red keep like, oh, this is supposed to be mine. Well, it is yours now. You're like, this has been taken from me and all these things have been taken from me. So I'm just going to destroy all these people. They built her up as this person that did things differently for seven seasons that went and she she literally locked her dragons in in the, the basement because they killed one child. And then all of a sudden now we're supposed to believe that she just went all over the place and just destroyed everybody with fire because she saw the red keep and was upset but she hasn't had all this stuff happen to her before though and you've seen the breadcrumbs throughout the seasons of hey she was always power hungry she always wanted the throne and she was willing to do whatever it took to get to the throne and none of this crazy stuff had happened to her leading up to that she'd had you know bits and pieces little things but this whole past season, we're talking about her best friend getting beheaded. Jorah dies at her feet. She's lost two dragons. They show her in her like keep. She's a mess in the keep, like in Dragonstone before that whole sequence happens. I'm like, do we do we need more like scenes of up close of like Danny's makeup running for everybody to be like, all right, yep. she really is upset. Yep. She's allowed to commit genocide now. She can completely go out there just, and just destroy all these people that. But she don't have anything to lose anymore. Like she has all of her people are gone, and the dude she she fell in love with ends up being a freaking nephew and it, not only that but the real true king so like she's like everything has crumbled in her life that part made complete sense to me so i never understood everything crumbles whole, in your life so then you just go out and you just burn all these innocent people that she just kept saying like i'm trying to save them i'm trying I to save wouldn't do them. it but i'm saying it makes sense it though that it doesn't she, make any sense that that it just it she snapped on it. She had had enough. Cersei had did so much that she looked at it and said, "You know what? I'm like I'm done with this crap." Like the the last thing my best friend told me was Dracarys. I'm freaking season doing seven. this. Season seven, season seven. She said, "I'm not here to be queen of the ashes." True. Yeah. True. And but that was before like, everything had happened too. No, not everything. Uh, well, okay. Before, it was after she lost one dragon, I guess. And she. It's not like she hadn't been through loss and hurt before too. She not to this level though. She <laughs> not to this level. She was there when her her baby died. I think her I think her love for her unborn child was probably bigger than her love for Jora or, or for Missande. Right? Like she, really she lost that? she lost like, she the baby, show, like, she lost Kyle, she lost everything in the world to her. She got freaking three dragons. I know but she lost everything in that. But I think this shows to, to her character and she is just walked she, into fire. <laughs> Exactly. I think that shows her character of, hey, like she did lose those things, but I'm just going to walk out because I'm freaking a Targaryen and I, I run this world. Okay. But like, she didn't I run freak- the world. Because she didn't run the world in the, the last episode. She just snapped. She's like, I don't run this. I, I 
have to take it and have to destroy well, I it. I think it's like, hey, I run this and I can destroy this whole dang city at this point. So I that that's I just I didn't understand that. There are different nitpicks that I have of the show, but that's not a nitpick. That's a big fundamental problem have, that people see, that if a bunch of people don't understand why she's doing it, then I don't think they did a good good enough job leading up to it. Okay, you understand why she did it. You okay. just don't think Here, it, they the built for, it up enough. Here's the if thing they for, don't understand why she snapped, then come on. Here's the thing for me. If they would have switched, and somebody said this on Reddit, I don't know who, I won't give credit, but if they would have switched Rhaegal's death, because they didn't really need to kill off Rhaegal the episode before. If they had switched Rhaegal's death to like, okay, the bells are going, and then all of a sudden, like, some guy turns around with a, with one scorpion thing that she missed that's in the Red Keep or something and shot Rhaegal and killed him. And then she would have snapped right there. And boom. Like, the, mm. that to me would have made more sense. She snapped and, like, now I'm just going to go out in a rage. Because what she did was rage. And rage doesn't come from, you know, this, this slow burning of, like, okay, I'm, there has to be, like, I feel like there has to be a moment. Maybe that's just. But see, I think the way she was leaning into it, though. I think the moment that she said that she's ready to go, and Tyrion walked up those stairs and said, please, please, the bells are going to ring. If the bells ring, please call it off. She already that's that's that was after her like him walking up to her in Dragonstone and be like basically are you okay and she's just a mess she hadn't eaten in days like she was already leaning into that it wasn't like this is where they everybody's acting like she was just in Dragonstone saying woo man this is so great. why didn't Life's she do it from right the start now. why didn't she just how, destroy how the early? whole city from the start why did she stop and why did she stare at the Red Keep. Well, I think it was just a moment. She was just going through killing everything. She was getting her army in. She had to open the gate so her people could come in. She obviously, yeah, I think she was leaning towards it, but I think her final moment was when she landed. And yeah, she had to make that decision then of she sees the red keep and she's like, screw it. Am I going to go insane or am I not going to go insane? That's the decision she made. I, d- I didn't like it. I hated it for her character, but it it totally made sense to me, and it's okay. That, like I don't like, and I yeah. also didn't like the idea that she just became what her father was, and that you're just born with this, and, it, and you can do all you can. That this the the lesson or the moral of it, I didn't like because it's like you can do all you can to try and change. This is with the Jamie thing too. You can do all you can to try and change and be a better person. You're just eventually going to go back to what your nature is, and I didn't like that because mm. I really do. I I really do believe people can change. Yeah, people can change, but I don't mind going back to it. Like, I didn't mind Jamie going back to Cersei. I hated it. Personal preference, I hated it. Personal preference from my wife. My no. wife wanted Brienne and Jamie together more than anything in the entire universe. They tossed but, his whole arc out in 10 minutes. 10 minutes of an episode. But it was, it was fine. I think, I think it turned from an arc to a circle because the moment you're like, hey, it's this is an arc. He's a good guy with Brienne. Bam. He goes right okay, back so to who he was. If his arc showed- is like that, then then the majority of his arc is built with bricks in like an arc an archway, and then like the very end of it is built with like one straw, like one plastic it's, straw I, that is destroying the the scourge of the earth. The things you do for love. It was in episode one. It's a complete circle. The things you do for love. I'm leaving Winterfell. Screw you, Brienne. I'm going back to the one person I love from the very beginning of this entire show. It made that part. I hated it. It pissed me off because I like Jamie. But in the end, you know, now Cersei's death, I'm here with everybody. I wanted a better death than rocks. Okay. Um, I wanted Unearned, to be heading rocks that she, avoidable rocks. Let's put it that way. She, I wanted. <laughs> yes. According to the last episode, she could have just stepped to the side like four feet and they would have lived. <laughs> I had not. Listen, I'm not saying this. I said this isn't my favorite season. I have my, my things I didn't like. I thought the Night King was gone too soon. I liked how he died, but it. I, 
What I wish, if we're just talking personal preferences, I wish they switched Cersei and the Night King. I wish Cersei stuff happened first, and then it was the Night King this last you know two episodes because I yeah, feel don't like don't get me into all that. Yeah, okay. So like, do, we have our own nip. Like, I have different things. I wish this last season. I mean, this last episode. I wish more people found out that John was a Targaryen. But that's just a personal preference, you know. Like, I didn't. I didn't mind what I loved. What happened with John? Because John made the decision the moment he killed Danny. He knew he was probably going to die, but he was going to. It was almost like a sacrifice. I'm going to kill Danny and sacrifice myself for the better of the people. Yeah, that's fine. And I thought he was honestly going to die. I thought both of them are getting ready to die. And then everything really could have played out the exact same way if he died, right? Like, the council would have took place and... Yeah, you still have to move on. You still have to move. (laughs) Democracy gets laughed at. (laughs) Yeah, Sam's like, oh, this led to people. (laughs) (laughs) Let let me present something. We'll have an electoral college. Uh, But... uh, I thought the I mentioned this Nick earlier, but I thought the only thing that was this like random kind of out there was the fact that Grey Worm and them just have this small council thing, and at the Dragon Pit, and they're like, huh, let's just pick a king now. Well, the, right. the fact who, that they took, who wants to nominate the fact that they took their direction from a guy that should have been getting a sentence, right? <laughs> Tyrion comes up, and yeah, he, and he well, comes up and I gives this whole speech about how I don't know. That was very weird. I just thought that, and the fact, I thought the only thing that didn't make as much sense was Bran, that it was just kind of just out of left field, because I just didn't think, I was telling, I I didn't think Bran had a shot, because one, he was he missed the entire season of the, the show, uh, which <laughs> that was, gone. I'm like, he's just gone. Two, everything had, like, he had just told so many people, I'm the three-eyed raven, and he just... I'm not, I'm not even just, a person anymore. I'm not even freaking Bran Stark anymore, and then now it's... He's Brandon the Broken. Yeah. Yeah, huh? Why do you think I came here? Yeah, of course I want it. You Why do you the, think I so, came all this way? Gosh. <laughs> so that that was kind of, that was kind of weird, but it was just one of my personal like that's just a thing I wished was different. And so that that gets to the fundamental issue, and a bunch of people complain about this, so I, I won't try to complain too much. But the just the idea that the brand and the three eyed raven thing wasn't explained enough to the, to where we understood what it was, to where we understood where mm. Brand was, we understood why he was a viable candidate to be. A king is he human? Like you know, there's just certain things about him that didn't seem human anymore. Can he make decisions, or can he only just look in the past and say, "Well, this happened"? To me, it would have made sense if he was like on the small council, to where you know he's not yeah. making decisions because king and king and queen you have to make like emotional decisions, and he doesn't have emotions, which I guess is yeah great. But I still don't even know if he can make decisions. He doesn't want, so can he want the best for his people if he doesn't want? I don't know. It's it's a very fundamental weird question. Did, and so then that goes back to the night king. They didn't explain the night king enough to me to where it's like it just kind of he built they built the night king up as this huge big bad, and he got destroyed in one episode. I I didn't mind how he died, and I didn't like I, I liked how, how he died. died. I like just the, the I did want more from like that story, but the brand thing. I do. There is an, a, a lens that I do like it. The fact that going back to season one, episode one, the small boy that was climbing the walls, he gets pushed out of the tower. Episode one, he's crippled. Like now, going back in hindsight, look at me like that. That boy right there will turn out to be the king of the seven or the six kingdoms of the world. The like he had Raven King. Yes, he. I mean, the journey that he goes on to. I think that part is pretty cool. But there's a lot of stuff. I. I loved where everything. One thing I did like was 
I was afraid we weren't going to see some of these characters ever again. And that we'd, we'd already said bye. Braun? I was like, where the crap's Braun at? Braun uh, is the master of coin. That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, no, that's cool. Because he's in Highgarden. This is like... As when, a, you know, as a as a as a strategy strategorial strategorical strategorical decision, like <laughs> he wants brothels. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. But, that stuff was. Funny. Oh man, I laughed so hard when. Oh, who's the Stark's uncle? Edimir. Edimir <laughs> stood up, and Avery and I both go, "No, sit down, bro. Just sit down." Remember, all I could think about was him trying to shoot the arrow. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he tries so hard to make his case, and Sansa just, just says, "Sit down, sit down, son." <laughs> she suns um, him right there. I liked so yeah, Tormund, Ghost. I thought we just would never see these people again, and the fact that we, I think we got closure on everyone, and I like, I liked that fact. John and Ghost had their moment that everybody complained about a few episodes ago. They can't, he can't even show love to his dog. And now we, they have you know, a great moment together. That was awesome. It doesn't make up for it, but it was good. I'm glad they had the money for that CGI. Jeez. And, <laughs> oh, but, they, they had the money for it for like John to, to walk up towards the red keep. And then all of a sudden Drogon just like, like shakes all the, the, you know, the <laughs> ash off of him and didn't really have any, Merit in the story? <laughs> yeah. They did that, <laughs> just, but they couldn't have him pet ghost. Anyway. The visuals of these past Amazing. few episodes. Oh, that, that shot where, where Danny was walking up and Drogon's wings were right behind him. Holy crap. That was such a great shot. Looked amazing. I loved everything in the throne room. Uh, but I liked... I honestly like where everything ended with each character. I like the fact that Sansa stood up instead of saying I and said, you know what? No, we're not. I want to like the North will be separate. We're going to be our own kingdom. Stuck to her guns. It fit her. It fit the North. Everything. She became queen of the North. I'm fine with. I like that Arya is like, hey, I'm not even about this world. I'm freaking going to find my own. She's like the new Christopher Columbus. And okay, go do your thing, Arya. Um, I would watch a whole season of Arya exploring the world. Sign me up any day for that. Um, <laughs> that I would be a good, ha- yeah, that would be a good spinoff. I liked what happened with John. Like my my wife is like personally upset. The right now. The only thing she- that I didn't understand about John was that okay, so he ha- he has to leave, and there has to be some kind of justice because the Unsullied, the Unsullied, like we can't have a war with the Unsullied. But then the yeah. Unsullied just like leave and go to Noth. Did all of them leave though? I think it could have just been Grey Worm, and which as soon as he Are said, all so, the Unsullied you- mad at John, I guess. Probably. Like, does Grey Worm just speaks the, for all the Unsullied now? You know they're they're over there playing dice, and they're like, I hated that woman. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few. <laughs> remember of them, she you made know, us but... go to the cold. Like, remember she made us go and fight all those dead dudes. Okay, Why couldn't we just there's, stay over there's, there's way too many Dothraki and way too many Unsullied. Okay, that yeah, that's true. there's I way too many that. of those. <laughs> it didn't really affect the plot, I guess. But if there, but if there was less Unsullied, then it would have made then it would have made the John thing happen. So, and bro, let's just be real. Ain't nobody failed more at their job and still has their job than Tyrion. Bro gets like, to be handed like again, Brand- homie. I like, like what it, you fail all the time, but I like him. I I liked Brand's line of now he has to fix it. Like that's the punishment is he has to fix it. You gotta fix everything now. Um, but I love where John ended up. I love that. I love that he went north. I love that it was like his moment. Like he gave it all up to kill Danny, and be it's right it, like you know started. what. For the better of the world, I'm going back, you know, back north with Tormund and them. He's the first guy in history to have to take the Night's Watch oath twice, right? <laughs> twice. He can't be with a woman again. You know, all this stuff. Uh, we were joking about this. There was a moment, 
in which Tyrion was walking down the stairs. And I'm like, there's no way Jamie and Cersei are still alive. They're not about to pull this. There just wasn't enough <laughs> rubble. There's there's enough like open patches on the ground that made it seem like, man, they could have survived this. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then when they showed the gold hand, I'm like, if this thing starts moving right now, I'm like, oh, come on. You gotta... <laughs> that's, that's what Game of Thrones just does to you. You just expect these crazy, unexpected things. Yeah. And you know, when after John killed Danny, I was literally expecting anything. I was expecting Drogon to eat him. I was expecting yeah. fire, uh, anything. And man, what a cool scene when he melted the throne. Do we know Danny's dead? I, I don't. You never know. I mean, when he picked My- her up, I was, I literally go, oh man. And Barb goes, are you getting emotional? <laughs> I'm like, it's just a pet and an owner, like type of thing. I ha- like, those just get me, man. Here's my theory. Uh-oh. Drogon is tr- now flying around to try and find that witch from the episode where she like brings back called Drogo. <laughs> it's like, here's my theory. That is Arya's faceless man instructor. That was Danny. And he died instead of Danny. And it, no, I'm just kidding. But oh, I'm upset, I'm upset that Arya only did the faceless man thing one time. I thought you know there was a moment in which for it. when John walks into the throne room and he looks at Danny the first time, I literally was one in my mind. I'm like, how's he gonna approach how he feels right now? Bro, just went straight in. You just murdered people, bro. That's what he does. And That's like, what Ned Stark would do. Yeah, I'm like, oh crap, he's just going for it. And like when they got up close and they were like talking to each other, and she's like, we could do this, blah. It entered my mind. This could be Arya. Arya could be wearing John's face. She's gonna like try to kill yeah, Danny mean, or that kill. Mean John would be dead. No, she can put on a face of somebody that's alive because going back to the face, going back to her season when she was training, there's a moment in which Arya is standing in the floor. There's a person on the floor and she's going through the faces with her hand, and she's sitting there going like this, and all the faces are changing, and the guy's standing above her. And because I, I, I used to think that. And when she gets to the last face, it's her face. And that proves that that is that anybody can have a face of anybody alive or dead. Wasn't because that, she was didn't that guy like it. have a glitch, though. Didn't that guy like, <laughs> just couldn't get the face off. There's something wrong. I don't know. There's something but wrong just, with that guy. She was looking at her own face and she was obviously yeah, alive. That. So that could you know prove that. But anyway, yeah, I wish she could have used that that face. That's thing like again. the Yoda gets to be a ghost Jedi kind of thing. Like you have to get to that. Or the uh, the Luke Skywalker, I can become like a hologram kind of guy. Yes. That's that yes. kind of power. She hasn't got there yet. She only trained with them for like a summer. <laughs> I thought she was about to go back there. It was like a summer internship. And then she came back and was like, all right, I'm back. I'm back to good. Give me full time and benefits and health, health insurance. <laughs> this is, this was my mindset for this last season. It turned from entertainment from 100% entertainment to like 75% entertainment, 25% appreciation. And that there were different things that I'm like, man, I wish that went a little different. But my appreciation for the show in these past six years just kind of overtook that. I I get I I like I'll admit that things I'm loyal to a fault, and that I will <laughs> that loyalty means a ton to me. And things become like untouchable to me to an extent. I'll defend certain things of saying, hey, like I'll defend this. I'll defend Dirk Nowitzki to the day I die on all these different arguments sometimes because I just get certain things become untouchable. Game of Thrones became untouchable because it meant so much to me as a, you know, just as a show and just, I just love everything about it. And so like, I admit it has faults and stuff, but those faults and critiques just never overtook the overarching how I felt about the show. And that's why 
I still think I still liked the last season. It wasn't my favorite, and I love this last episode. But uh, yeah, that's just I'm gonna miss this show, man. This it's my favorite show of all time. Uh, you know, obviously people can you know think different, whatever. But it's my favorite show of all time. I'm gonna miss it a ton. I'm gonna rewatch it a lot, and uh, I'm looking forward to the spinoffs and stuff too. Yeah, the spinoffs will be different, or they'll be interesting, and uh, I hope they do an Aria one. That would be just be so great. Yeah, that would be sweet. The petition going around for, to like redo the last season. No. Hey, good luck, good luck, guys, getting all these characters uh, back for, to film everything over again. I saw an interview so. recently with with uh, Grey Worm, Jacob Anderson, and they asked, they said, "Did you see this petition going around? Like, uh, like almost a hundred thousand people, or like, was it like a half a million people signed this petition?" I think so. Yeah. And uh, and you just saw his face because he had their stories about him with the long night. They shot like it took him fifty five days, fifty five nights to shoot the long night. And he had Ooh. some of the most days out there, and he was just like so grueling for him. Just so you should have seen his face when they were like, people thought that you should I should reshoot it. He was like, was like he saw a ghost, not the not the direwolf, but like an actual ghost. There's He's a story like, no. about him where on set they said that he knew High Valyrian better than anybody, and that he could like actually he could create sentences and things because it's a real language, and. Yes, it's on Duolingo, the app. I use this <laughs> app to learn Portuguese uh, from my wife, and it's actually an option on Duolingo. And like one it. time, they're at the towards the end of their shooting, they're like, "All right, you know, Jacob, come up with something like like a uh, impromptu. Just say something in High Valyrian to like pump up your troops." And like he was so delirious and tired. They had been doing night shift for fifty five nights, like fifty nights in a row, and all this crazy stuff, and just working in the dark and all this. And he just goes, "Mike Pence, Mike Pence." Mike Pence. <laughs> That's all he could think of. It's Mike Pence. That's hilarious. He's a great musician too. Oh man, Raleigh Ritchie. That's his artist name. His music is awesome. I love his music so much. Yeah, su- super stuff. super talented guy. It's really been really cool seeing all the actors. Yeah, and everybody getting introduced to all of them because most of them, except for like Peter Dinklage and and Ned Stark, we didn't really know. Yeah. A lot of them, like this was, I mean, hearing Kit Harrington say, you know, this few of the behind the scenes saying, like, this is my twenties, man. Like this forever yeah. is life. Game of Thrones will be his twenties, and next Sunday night at the exact same time, they're gonna have this hour long documentary. My wife and I are super looking forward to it. Called the Long Watch. It's all about this last season and the, the one last plea for, hey, don't cancel your HBO subscription just yet. Yes, yes. I'm gonna be. I, I might get more emotional during that thing than because uh, you know they're probably gonna be getting emotional showing these last yeah. scenes they filmed and and all that stuff. But I, I'm happy, man. I. I well, I'm happy and sad. I love this last episode, but uh, yeah, I'm sad that it's over. Yep. There you go, guys. That's our Game of Thrones talk, and uh, yeah, that's the end of this Game of Thrones talk. I guess maybe we'll maybe we'll come <laughs> up with we'll come up with something else during the summer. I guess. Yeah. Well. Yeah, we'll watch something else and talk about it, or some movie or something like that. There you go. Hey, John Wick Three, by the way, is a great movie. No, I, I, I joked about it on Twitter, and uh, you know, I, I made a, a Game of Thrones slash joke. Somebody <laughs> took me serious, but anyway, great movie. I loved it. Do you know that Theon kills John Wick's dog? Yes, in John Wick Two. Yeah, I forgot that that was who it was. Yeah, he deserved everything that happened to him in Game of Thrones for killing that for dog. killing that dog. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Maps. Peace out. Boom. <laughs>